Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday morning service with Pastor Mondo Luna. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. So this morning, I want to minister a message, and I'm, I'm going to do something I've never done before when I preach multiple services. I'm going to preach two different services in the morning, 9 and 11. Is that okay? Two different services. Never done it before. Usually, if I get asked to speak at a church and there's multiple services, I just preach the same sermon throughout. It's much easier. Uh, but coming this morning, I felt the Lord really prompt on my heart uh, two different messages for two different services. I don't know if you come to both or you're here, but if you're here this morning at this service, this message is for you. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, this message is for you today. And it's for me. Tell them, it's for me too. I, wanted, I entitled this message, My Friend Faith. And as I was thinking about this, this message... Hopefully, everyone here has some friends, right? Hopefully. Uh, it's a good thing to have friends, right? You know that. As a matter of fact, if you don't have any friends, look at your name and say, will you be my friend? Come on, tell them. Ask them. Will you be my friend? Even if you don't want to, just say, yes, I'll be your friend, okay? It is important in life. I have friends. I've had friends that I've made over 29 years. Of course, our pastors and different pastors in our fellowship are friends of mine I have for the years. And it is an amazing thing to have friends, especially, listen, friends of faith. People that will believe God with you. People that will pray for you. People that will pray for your family. People that will be there with you through those tough seasons. And we all go through those difficult and tough seasons, those seasons where we need someone to count on. And God has put people in our lives to be our friends and to walk with us through those seasons. Just recently, in the beginning of the year, I had this bad eye infection. I don't know if you guys seen it on social media. And I really thought I was going to lose my eye. It was so bad from an infected contact lens that I had in my eye. It just was bad. But I felt the prayers of the saints, man. I, I text one, I called my pastor, I text some of my friends, I said, listen, man, I need you to pray for me. Doctor says, this is really bad. And I really, honestly, I genuinely felt the prayers of the people, man, praying for my healing. And God healed me. As a matter of fact, the, the eye infection that I had, it was a coronary uh, eye ulcer through a contact lens. If you wear contact lenses, man, make sure you are careful. Take those things off at night. And uh, anyways, the, the infection and what I had should have caused some blindness. That's how bad it was. Even with proper treatment, uh, there, there should be some blindness. Well, uh, the doctor would tell me that. I'm going, man, this is terrible. I, I, you know, I, I got to preach. And, I, you know, and, and God healed me. Listen, restored my vision back. Completely. The doc, even when I go in, the doctor goes, how's your vision? Because I still go back, check up, and he, I go, it's 2020. He goes, that's a miracle. <laughs> you should have some residual from that and not see in, in some way. And I go, no, I can see perfectly. He goes, that's a miracle that you got your vision back. So I believe in the prayers of the saints. It is good to have friends that will pray for you. We need friends. Friends that will give us some good advice. How many know that we don't know it all? And it's so good when you are, especially when you have a point of view and you're looking at life in a certain way. And then you got some friends that come up and go, hey, man, your thinking is all whacked. Let me give you another perspective. Let me give you another way of looking at this. And I can't tell you how many times my pastor has done that to me where I've just exploded in my mind like this is not going to work. I'm upset. I'm, I'm bothered by this whole situation. And then I talk to pastor and he says, listen, let me give you another angle. Ever done that for you before? He says, let me give you another way to look at this. And after he's done, I'm going, man, I was completely off. 
These friends that we have, it's, it's so important to have friends that, that are with us and walk with us through this journey in life. And I want to talk about a story this morning where it was a friendship between a Roman centurion and his servant. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 7. You okay, Daisy, over there? Are you all right? You sure? Okay, I'm going to keep you a little longer there, okay? I, I, I want to talk about this story. And as I was reading this story... It, it blessed my heart because I had seen some things in this particular story that I have never saw before. Things that as I read the word, how many of you ever, ever watched a movie before and you've seen the movie all the way through and then you watched it again and you, and you picked up things that you didn't see in the, first, the first time you saw it, right? So you've seen the, you know the end of the story, you know how it all ends, and then you watch it again. You go, i got to see that movie again because there's certain things that I didn't pick up. And then you watch it again, and you pick up all these little things and go, I see now. I see how this all comes together. I see how this piece connected to this piece, what she said connected to what he said. And now it's all kind of all come together, and I understand the end of the story. Well, that's what's happening here is I read this. I've read this story all my life. Since I've been a believer, I've read this multiple times. And as I read it, I, there were certain things I never saw before. And I want to share that with you this morning. Is that okay? Say, Pastor, that's okay. Go ahead and share it. All right, all right. Thank you. So here's this soldier, this Roman centurion who loved his servant. I mean, he deeply loved him. And he was well respected. And so he hears about Jesus coming through his town. And he sends some Jewish leaders, some Jewish elders to go and bring Jesus back. So you got to keep in mind now, the only understanding he has about Jesus of what he's heard about Jesus, and he probably realizes, hey, man, I'm a centurion, I'm a Gentile. It'd be easier to get Jesus to come and pray for my servant if I send some Jewish leaders to go. And so that's what he does. He sends out these Jewish leaders. Everyone pick up the story here in Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. Now, when Jesus had finished saying all this to the people, he returned to Capernaum. And at that time, the highly valued slave of a Roman officer was sick and near death. Now, when the officer heard about Jesus, he sent some respected Jewish elders to ask him to come and to heal his slave. Verse 4. So they earnestly begged Jesus to help the man. If anyone deserves help, he does, they said. For he loves the Jewish people and even built a synagogue for us. So Jesus went with them. But just before they arrived at the house, the officer sent some friends to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming into my home, for I am not worthy of such an honor. I'm not even worthy to come and meet you. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. Now, I know this because I am under authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go, they go, come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. Now, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Everybody say amazed. Turning to the crowd that followed him, he said, I tell you, I have not seen faith like this in all of Israel. And when the officer's friends returned to the house, they found the slave completely healed. Let me pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your grace and your mercy. Lord God, I thank you for today for the opportunity to minister your word. I pray that every heart be open, every mind to receive today your word. I pray let it take root in the hearts of every believer, every person here today. And if there's here, some here that don't know you, I pray today would be their day of transformation, their day of salvation. And so we bless this time. We thank you in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. You know, as I read this story, this story rocked me because, again, like I had said, there were some things that I seen in this story that God revealed to me that I had never saw in past as I read. And, and when God begins to do those type of things, I realize that God's trying to show me something. I don't know if it's for the season that I'm in. Most likely it is. But also for God to transform something in my heart so that when I do minister as a pastor or a leader at just, or just as a believer, that God's already first worked on my heart. How many know it's important before you preach or say something, it's good to deal with it yourself in your own life first, right? So before you're ready to correct somebody or bring some type of instruction, it's really good to evaluate your own personal life to make sure that you're walking in those same footsteps. And as I was reading this, there's a couple things that stood out and the things I want to bring out to you today. The first thing I noticed as I read this story is the humility of this centurion. Look at verse number six. So when Jesus went with them, before he got to the house, the officer said, listen, don't, don't trouble yourself by coming in. Don't, you don't have to. As a matter of fact, I, I am not even worthy to come out and meet you. I'm not even worthy to come out where I am and shake your hand. You, you basically, he was saying, you are the man. I, I, I don't have the, 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 uh, uh, the, the accolades or the prestige or, or I'm just, I, the way he viewed himself, it seemed like he began to backtrack a little bit. You guys see that? And I realized this, that when he sent the Jewish leaders out, the Jewish elders out, he basically told them, go out and get Jesus. Go get him. Go bring him here. He was exercising his authority, right? Because that's who he is. He's a leader. He's, he's a captain. So he's saying, listen, I need you to go get him. But as Jesus got closer, he began to say, listen, it's okay. You don't have to come. It's all good. You know, he, he started to backtrack. And I realized this, that when the presence of God gets closer to us, or when we engage in the presence of God on a closer level, it should draw more humility out of our lives. It should draw us to a place of, of listen, abasement, like, the closer we get into the presence, the more we draw into the presence, we should become a lot lower of ourselves. Can I get an amen? Because we realize and understand of the glory and the magnitude of who he is and who we're not. Now, when we're not walking in the presence and it's all about us, our ego is off the charts and we think we know it all. We think we got it all together. But man, when the presence of God is in the house, how could you not fall before him and say, Lord, I'm not worthy Come on. That's what's going on here. I don't know what caused him in that moment. I don't know if he heard Jesus. I don't know if he heard the crowds. But something registered in that moment says, I am not worthy to meet him. I'm not worthy to, to, even for him to come in my house. Because, listen, where the presence of God is, there should be genuine humility. The closer we get to Christ in our relationship with him, the more humble we should become. This picture here is, is I, I, don't under, I, I don't know if, if maybe he had some stuff. Maybe he had some stuff in the house he wasn't proud of. I don't know. Maybe he had some posters on the wall or he had some stash he didn't get rid of. I don't know, man. There was something going on that he didn't want Jesus to come into the house. But, but whatever it was, in that moment, the presence, I believe, honestly, I believe that the presence of Jesus coming, the presence of God getting ready to invade his life caused him to say, I'm not worthy. It brought him to a place, listen, where he was on his face. Where the presence of God is manifest, there should be genuine humility. It, listen, it's a byproduct of being in God's presence. It really is. I can tell you right now where there is pride and arrogance and self-promotion, God has nothing to do with that. God's not in it, man. I'm telling you right now. 
you want to promote yourself, you, I let God promote you. Let God raise you up. Just walk in humility before him. What does God require that we walk humbly before our God? When we walk humbly and we walk in humility and we walk in reverence and awe of God, God will raise you up at the right time. You don't have to worry about that. But I can guarantee when there is self-interest and pride and arrogance, it quenches the spirit of God in our lives and even around us. Even James 4, 6 says this, God opposes the proud, but he what? He gives grace to the humble. He empowers the humble. He gives mercy to the humble. When you walk in humility, you are activating the power of God in your life. And when I think of this right here, where God opposes the proud, it, to me, it, it kind of stands out as like a stiff arm. Like God says, no way. Any football fans in the house? Yeah. Any Raider fans in the house? Come on, who's some Raider fans? Let me get the Raider fans. Yes, boo, I'm getting booed already. All right. If you're not a Raider fan, don't hate. Come on, just, I'm the messenger here. I'm just bringing the message, right? And, and when I think of, of, of God saying, I oppose the proud, I think of a stiff arm and, and just kind of blocking them out. And that's what God does when it comes to our own ego and pride. We cannot walk in pride and in the presence at the same time. Are you still with me? Okay, Pastor Mondo, then what is humility? How do I attain it? How do I walk in this so I can, I can be and walk in the manifest presence of God? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you this morning. First, understand the concept of humility. The concept of humility, when you think about it, according to Scripture, it has the, the, the root meaning of it is means to low line. It means kind of, it's not thinking uh, less of yourself or, or self-pity. That's not what humility is. It's actually not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. It, it's taking a step back and, and, and almost preferring others before yourself. It's, it's taking that lowly position. I will do, God, whatever you call me to do. Jesus, we know, was in, walked in humility, and he was the most humble man on the earth. It's not weakness. It's walking in controlled power under the grace of God to honor God with your life and to serve others. Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 says this, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit or pride, empty pride, but what? With humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. 1 Peter 5, 5 says this, you younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders and all of you clothe yourselves with what? Humility. Everybody say that with me. Humility. Toward two, towards one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I like what Peter says and how he describes it. He says, basically, you have to clothe yourself with it. You know what that means? That means when you get up in the morning and go to work and you leave your house, you have to literally put it on like a coat. Today, I've got to walk in humility. I believe there's humility that comes when we're in the presence of God, and, and, but I believe there's also some things you can practice to help cultivate a culture of humility in our lives. Can I give you a few things this morning? Let me give you a couple things that I believe can cultivate a culture of humility in your life, in your family, in your marriage, on your job, in your ministry. Let me give you five quick things. If you're taking some notes, you can write these down. I don't think I have it up here, but you can write them down. Number one. Consider others before yourself. This one right here, you, I'll probably get no applause for. Here, are you ready for this? You got to consider others. Have you ever been in the grocery market and you're in line 
Or uh, let me take it back. You're, you're, you're shopping, you have a bag of groceries and your, or a, a card, or you got one of those hand carriers with groceries in it, and you're walking slowly, and in your peripheral vision, you see somebody else going to the same line you're going in. And what do you do? You speed up, right? You, get, you just kind of move because you don't want to wait. You, you want to go first. And if you're laughing, you've done it. Here's another one. You ever been in the bank and you got your check and you're in line and you're standing at the little, little kiosk there and you're, you're signing your name and, you feel, and then in your peripheral vision, someone walks in and instead of filling it out and letting them go first, what do you do? You grab it and you, get, and you haven't even filled it out yet. You just get in line. Why? You don't want them to go before you. Some of you that are not laughing, you probably don't have a paycheck yet, right? There's a lot of young people looking and going, you'll get there. Consider others before yourself. That means that you're going to give way to somebody else before you. The second thing here is spend time listening. We don't know it all. You don't, matter of fact, look at your number and say, you don't know it all. Come on, tell them. Nobody said that. All right. But, but listen, when you listen, there's a difference between hearing and listening. You can hear all day long and not listen to a thing. You know the difference? It's like being in your house at night and, and a car alarm goes off and you hear the alarm. And then you listen and go, that's my car. It's a difference from hearing the sound and then listening to whose car it is. That's the difference between hearing and listening. You can hear all day long and not listen to a thing. If you want to develop a culture of, of humility, you got to learn to listen. Listen to people. Listen to your spouse. Can I get an amen? Married couples in the house. Listen to your pastors. Listen to your leaders. Come on, kids. Listen to your parents. All the parents should say amen to that one. Come on, listen to your parents. Listen to, we can go on and on with that. But as you begin to listen, look, you, you cultivate a culture of humility. Let me give you another one here. Practice mindfulness. What that means is be self-aware. Can, can, can we just be honest this morning? I'm, I'm always honest, but let's just be a little bit more honest. You know if you're jacked up or not. You know if there's something going on in your life that is not good. You know if you're holding on to things, if you're upset, if you're angry, or if there's something going on in your heart, you know what it is. I, I can guarantee you know what it is. And the worst thing we can do as believers is to ignore it. Thinking that if I just turn my head to this, it's going to go away by itself. I've learned in the years that in order to see change, you've got to make change. In order to see something different, you've got to do something different, right? And so as you begin to make those adjustments and be self-aware that this is an issue in my life, my pride, my ego, my greed, my lust, my anger, whatever it may be, be self-aware because when you're self-aware, you, you can defeat it and you can conquer it. And it helps you walk in humility. Let me give you two more quick things. Be grateful for what you have. Come on, man. Listen, stop comparing yourself. Social media has killed joy and killed life because you look on social media and you see everybody else doing something and you go, how come my life doesn't look that good? I've got news for you. Their life is not that good. Don't ever forget that when you look at social media, you are getting the highlight reel. You ever see Sports Center and you get the highlight reels? You're getting the highlight reels of their life. It's just the highlights. When I was down with the eye injury and I couldn't see, and I was had all the shades drawn because light, I couldn't have light. I was like living like a vampire in the room. 
But here's the thing. I still post it on social media. <laughs> like, man, Pastor Mono life is great. I was, like, suffering. So don't, don't think, man, that what you see is what's really going on. Be grateful for what you have. When you're thankful, listen, thankfulness builds humility. It recognizes that what you have, God gave it to you. And when you begin to compare yourself to others and we compare ourselves to what somebody else has, we're basically telling God, what you gave me, God, is not good enough. And what you're saying is, there's not enough to go around. How many know that God has enough to go around? He loves all his children. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, he loves you. Come on, tell him. He loves you. He has enough to go around. But humility is rooted in birth in a place of thankfulness. When you thank God for what you have, I thank God I can see. I'm serious. This is my bad eye. This is my bad eye. And I'm close. I can see you guys. Not great. I, you know, after the whole eye injury thing, I got to bring this up a little bit because I'd wake up every morning when I first had this eye infection. It was an eye ulcer, so the 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 cornea of your eye, which is the cover part of your eye that protects the eye. So whenever you get something in your eye, your eye starts to blink. It's because your cornea, something's on the cornea of your eye. Because of the eye infection, it caused my, my cornea to split open. So I had, not only could I couldn't see, the pain was unbelievable. And so when I'd wake up in the morning, it's like waking up. And I don't know if you've ever, um, you, you, you know, you have the shower on and the fog and the glass. And so I'd wake up and this eye was foggy. You couldn't see anything out of it. So I was in pain, couldn't see anything out of it. Every morning I'd wake up. And I'd pray the night before I went to bed and go, God, let me see tomorrow. Let me see. And I wake up and I couldn't see. And it lasted like that for almost two months. And then one day, I opened my eyes and I could see. And listen, every morning now when I wake up, I thank God I can see. You see, thankfulness creates humility in our lives, man. What are you thankful for? What did God deliver you from? Some of you here are married today because God had mercy on you. God, God, some of you are, have your freedom today because God kept that from getting exposed or you'd be doing time right now, right? Come on. God saved us. God delivered us. God gave you grace. Be thankful. Don't compare. Don't, you don't have to compare yourself to what everybody else has or what everybody else is doing. You be thankful for what God has given you, what God has done in your life. Be thankful for your marriage, your family, your kids, your church. Come on, thank God for your health. You are still alive. Look at your neighbor and say, you're still alive today. Come on. Be thankful. When you're thankful, it creates and develops humility in your life. And the last thing is ask for help when you need it. Stop thinking you know it all. Stop thinking you could do it by yourself. You can't do it by yourself. Not only do you need God in your life, which is number one, but you need friends and you need people around you who will believe with you. You need somebody in your life that's going to tell you the truth. It's one of those tough messages, ain't it? Pastor Omar, why did you bring them in? No, listen, this is going to help. It helped me. You need people in your life that will tell you the truth. And not just sugarcoat it because they don't want to offend you. But when, when you understand that you don't have it all together and I need the help of my brother and my sister, I can't do this alone. It develops in your life some sense of reliability that I'm relying on somebody else to help me, which is good. You're not codependent. You're walking in interdependence, which means I'm walking in faith in God. My strength comes God alone, but I need you with me in this journey. 
I'm going to whack my head on this thing right here, man. I could feel, I could feel it grazing the top of my head. I could, are you guys still with me? Do I got time left? How much time do I have left here? I got a little bit of time, right? Daisy, okay back there? You okay? All right. I want to keep checking on her. Are you guys okay with the background music? You know what it does? It makes me sound more spiritual. I know you guys know that already, right? It makes me feel like, like the message is coming straight from heaven, right? With the music in the background. All right, let me give you the next thing here with humility in mind. Here's this Roman centurion. He, he sends out the word, go bring back Jesus. But as Jesus gets closer, as the presence of God gets closer to his life, humility, he, he, he takes a posture of humility. I, I'm not worthy. Uh, uh, and I believe for every believer, that's the concept. When we walk in the manifest presence of God, there should be humility that signifies that. And then he comes and he says this in verse number six, Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home. For I am not worthy of such honor. He was willing, now listen, he was willing to give up the gift for his servant that he loved. He would rather not get what he wanted, rather to dishonor God. The honor of God was more important than getting what he wanted. Which tells me this, honor over the honorarium. Whenever we, pastor comes in to speak or we have guest speakers, there's always an honorarium that the church will give and to say thank you for coming and ministering and blessing our church. And here the Roman centurion, as he's there, the, 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 Jesus is coming and he, he realizes this. He says, listen, I'm not worthy for you to come, but I don't want to dishonor you by you coming into the house. And you have to understand that he, he didn't, he never met Jesus. He never met him. He's not privy to the understandings of the methodology of how Jesus heals. He doesn't know if Jesus has to be in close proximity. He doesn't know if Jesus needs to breathe on him or, or throw his jacket on him or, or wave him down. Or he doesn't, he doesn't know the methodology or the methods of Jesus' healing. All he knows is that Jesus can heal. All he knows is, I've heard about Jesus. I've never met him. I don't know how he does these miracles. All I know is that he does miracles. And I got to get him here. But the closer he gets, listen, the closer he gets, the humility kicks in, and then he begins to say, listen, honor before the gift. Honor before the gift. Don't ever sell out. Your calling, your, 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 your ministry, your family, don't ever sell out, listen, for anything. Always keep the honor of God at the front of your life. You know, some, some people will, will take jobs or they'll take careers or they'll, they'll take a relationship and, and dishonor God because they want it so bad and God says, don't do it. You're going to forfeit what I'm doing in your life. You're going to stop what I'm trying to do in your life. And many people sell out because they want the gift over honoring. If God says don't do it, I don't care how good it looks, don't do it. I don't care how much it will benefit you, it's not worth it. Always put the honor of God in your life. Honor God with your life over any gift you can ever get. Come on. I've known people who've, who've given up the, just everything about God and the calling, and I shouldn't say the calling because the calling is without repentance, but even the ministry for a relationship. Like this relationship is... The gift is more better than the honor of God who called me, who saved me, who delivered me. Are you still with me? So it's important to understand that God 
wants to bless us. God wants to move in our lives. But more important than getting everything we want in life, it is becoming who God wants us to be in life. And that happens when we put the honor of God before whatever we want. Are you still with me? That, that's what's going on here in the story, man. He's like, listen, I love my, I love my servant. I love him. He, he, I want him to get healed. And I, I want him to, it's not just that he's my servant. He's my friend. But listen, the honor, I, I don't want to dishonor you by coming in and being, you know, and again, he's a, he's a Gentile. So he's thinking this way, by, by getting you tainted to heal this guy, I would rather honor you and, and just let him pass. That's a tough statement, amen? Some of you, God be telling you, listen, you need to let that relationship die. That old fling die. That old past die. Let it go, man. Let it go and, and just honor me with your life. Don't worry about that. You just honor me with your life. Are you still with me? All right, let me, let me wrap it up here in a moment. Our convictions matter to God. The conviction in this moment was the presence of God over, listen, the gift. Willing to give up what he wanted to honor God. Can we say that today about ourselves? If, is there something in our lives that God is stirring in you to say, it is time to give this up? It is time to let this go, this attitude, this habit, this behavior. It's time to kill it, sacrifice it, and honor me. Because it's only at that point do we understand the power of God and the glory that comes through us to advance his kingdom when we're willing to sacrifice what we want for the honor of God. You want to see your community change? You want to see your family change? You want to see your kids change? You want to see God do something new? Live a life of honor before God, before anything else. Come on, a few people like that. Can I keep it a little real today? Is that all right? Say, keep it real, Pastor. All right. I'm going to keep it real anyway. And I, I'm going to say this because it's, it's something that is an issue today. When, when I was in church, when we were coming to the church years back, we first got saved, we, we did sports, man. We, I, I, my kids were all in sports. Um, we, you know, my kids played football, baseball, basketball, all that stuff, and we, we did too. But today it just almost seems like on Sundays... It's, it's dominating a lot of families' lives where they just, they don't come to church. They rather, and again, I'm not against the sports. You got to hear what I'm saying. It's that there's some sacrifices that you're going to have to make for the long haul. And, and I remember years back, my son played football and uh, the coach, they were, they were saying, listen, we're having a game on Sunday. And we had just started the church. And I said, listen, on Sundays, we're in church. I'm a pastor. My kids are in church. I've, I've taught them that. The value of being in the house on a Sunday morning. It's a, it's a time that I believe we honor God and and, and, and listen, after church, he can go. He can go after. Uh, but in the, we dedicate our lives, we commit ourselves to honor God on Sunday mornings. That's just, as a family, we've always done that. And I actually learned that from my pastors. Pastors Omar says, let they are really big on that. It just seems as time goes, anyway, let me go back to this story. So the, the coach said, well, we're going to Florida in a tournament. And if he doesn't come this Sunday to play in this game, then, then I can't play him in the tournament. My son was a good football player. And he said, and I told him, I said, listen, then I guess he doesn't play. I'm not going to compromise that. That's just a conviction that I have. I'm not here to condemn anybody or get anybody mad or have anybody leave the church. I'm just telling you my conviction. Is that okay? And so I said, then I, then I guess he doesn't play. Now, when I told my son that, my son, Craig was younger, he cried because he, he wanted to play. But I said, listen, son, all our lives, man, we committed Sundays to honor God, and we're not going to exchange that for anything. 
It's something we do as a family, something we do as a church, something we believed in. It's been embedded in our hearts. We, we're not going to compromise that. And so he missed that Sunday's game, and they got hammered. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying my son was the reason why they got hammered. They just got destroyed. That week, the coach calls me up and says, listen, Mr. Luna, I just want to say, hey, listen, I'm, I was maybe a little out of line here, but we want your son to come and play with us. And let, let me just fast forward ahead. You know who's preaching at my church this, this Sunday morning? My son. Elijah's preaching at our church this morning. I, I just believe there's some things, I don't care how good it looks, you don't compromise the honor of God for. Can I get an amen? You just don't compromise it. Let me, let me close with this here. The last thing is this. So, so he, he didn't dishonor God. He doesn't, I want you to come in and dishonor. And in verse number seven, I'm not worthy to even come and meet you. But, but then he, he turns it around. He says, listen, just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. Now, keep in mind, again, he doesn't know the practices of healing. He, he doesn't know. All he understands is the authority. He's not custom or he's not, you know, understanding the formalities of these religious policies of how you get healed. He doesn't know all that. He just understands authority because, listen, he understands whoever has the authority has the control, right? He says, listen, if you speak the word, Jesus, it, it was almost, I can almost picture the, the, the Roman centurion going, I don't know if this is going to work, but I know that you can speak a word because you have authority and it will be done. There is nobody on this earth that can do the things you do Come on, speak to the storms and they stop. Speak to the winds and they cease. Raise the dead, open blind eyes. There's nobody that can do those things if they don't have some type of control over that, some authority over that. When God spoke and created the heavens and the earth, it came from his nature, his authority, because he's in charge. So when he spoke it into existence, it came from all who he is. So he says, listen, I, I, I don't know, but if you speak the word, and let me just say this, the word of God is the remedy for the healing of every mind, body, soul, and spirit, man. And, and here's what I want to do. I want to flip it here. He understood that you, you speak the word, the authority comes with it. I know it'll be done. For us, it's the opposite. The more of the word we have in us, the more authority comes out of us. That's why the word of God is so important for the believer. He understood the dynamics of the word. All you have to do is speak it because you have the authority. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, when you get into the word, you get that authority. Here's the reality. You have the authority already, but the reality is some of us don't understand or don't know it because we don't read our Bibles. How would you ever know that you had the authority to cast out devils, right? How would you ever know you had the authority to lay hands on the sick and they would be recovered if you didn't know it? The word said it. So the word of God, as it's burning in our hearts, as we engage it, as we read it, as we and, and take it in, that's why it's so important for the believer to know the word of God. You begin to walk out in that same authority. And that's what this guy is saying. Listen, I know you have the authority. Now speak the word. And I believe as God's people, the word would be like this. I know you know the word. Now walk in that authority. Verse number eight. 
I know this because I'm a man under authority. My superior officers, I have authority over my soldiers. I, I only need to say go, and they go. They come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. And when Jesus heard this, he was so amazed. Turning to the crowd that was following him, he said, I tell you, I have not seen faith like this in all of Israel. And when the officer's friends returned to the house, they found the slave completely healed. Jesus was blown away by this guy because of his faith. You have a friend, faith. Walk in that authority, man. Let the Spirit of God draw the depths of humility out of your life. Be a person of the Word and let God use you in your life. Amen. Let's bow our heads in reverence to the Lord. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.